Howdy dream, cowboys! Welcome to the Fan Driven Westworld Podcast Golden Globe and Fan Reaction Episode. Today we're going to be going through the award season, looking at the snubs and the people who actually got nominated. Plus, we're going to talk about the show, Season 1, and some fan reaction. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So much has been made in entertainment news recently about how Westworld supposedly swept the Golden Globes. I wouldn't say swept. A number one, Anthony Hopkins didn't get nominated, so nothing matters. Yeah, nothing matters. Like, it doesn't hold any water to me, because Anthony Hopkins is so obviously wonderful, and they didn't think so, and they have different opinions than me, so I hate them. Does does Anthony Hopkins have a Golden Globe already? I, I don't think he's really known for TV work. I can't name a TV show he's starred in other than Westworld. No, he. I don't believe he has a Golden Globe. This was his chance. You know, granted, he doesn't come back for season two, whether or not Dr. Robert Ford is dead. But, like, I, this might have been his one chance, and they didn't give it to him. And it's it's perplexing. But, on the other hand... Westworld did get nominated for Best Television Series Drama. They're going up against This Is Us, Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, and The Crown. When George R. R. Martin was asked about what chances Westworld had, and what chances his show, too, had for this award, he said, being an HBO guy, I'm thrilled to see that both Game of Thrones and Westworld have been nominated for the big prize. The Westworld is going to have some tough competition. In fact, I would figure Westworld for, to be the favorite. And as a science fiction and fantasy geek, I am also delighted to see that Stranger Things made the list. So, that's George R.R. R. Martin saying that Westworld is the favorite to win over his show. Hmm. Uh, people had problems with season six of Game of Thrones. I liked it, even though I kind of recognized those problems. I would have to give it to Westworld season one over Game of Thrones season six. I'm actually watching the first season of The Crown right now, and when I get to the end of it, I'll let you know. But so far, John Lithgow in The Crown was nominated for a Golden Globe, I believe, as well, for his portrayal of Winston Churchill. And it is obviously deserved, wonderful, almost to the caliber of, say, an Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. So we've already kind of begun with Best Television Series Drama. Should we just go through every category that Westworld's been nominated in? Yeah, sure. So the next one is Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series Drama. Evan Rachel Wood got nominated there. People were asking why Tandy Newton wasn't also considered a lead actress in a drama. She got nominated, will go down as a supporting actress... Or actually, it's really not a supporting actress. They The Golden Globes are odd. They don't have supporting actress pieces. They give it to best performance by an actress in a limited series or motion picture made for television. And they gave that to Tandy Newton. And then they gave best performance by an actress in a television series to Evan Rachel Wood. While those two things sound super similar, apparently they're not. They both got nominated 
But the fact that they're nominated in separate categories was perplexing to some people because to people who watched Westworld, it was sort of obvious that both of them are lead actresses in the show. If you if you want to call who the leads are in the show, it would be Tandy Newton, Ever Rachel Wood, Anthony Hopkins, and Bernard Lowe, a.k.a. Jeffrey Wright, in my mind. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Tandy Newton had more screen time than Evan Rachel Wood. She probably did. I mean, her that was one of the main storylines every week. We almost never skipped the Maeve storyline. Then you add on top of that uh, that yeah, actually we get I'll read best performance by an actor in a television series. This is where Anthony Hopkins should have been. Over him was uh Rami Malik from Mr. Robot, the guy who's probably going to win. Oh, yeah. I, I love that show, and I love him in it. I hope he does win. Yeah, he's he's great. Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. But I'm sure he needs to be. I mean, he's great in Better Call Saul, but um, but Anthony Hopkins was better than him in Westworld than he was in Better Call Saul, in my opinion. Matthew Reese for The Americans, Leif Schreiber for Ray Donovan, and Billy Bob Thornton for Goliath. I believe that's a Amazon show that I haven't watched yeah, but, I, I, I'm just now learning about it. Yeah. So going back to best performance by an actress in a television series, I I like Evan Rachel Wood for this one. I think she probably wins easily. Her only real competition in my eyes is Winona Ryder, who was excellent in Stranger Things. I haven't seen The Crown or The Outlander, so I could be wrong. But Carrie Russell in The Americans, I, I, just, I don't I don't think oh. of The Americans as a show with amazing performances. Actually. Oddly enough, The Americans is so good. It's it's one of those shows that's vastly underrated by some and vastly overrated by others. But it is wonderful. And what carries that show are the two lead actors slash actresses performances. And Carrie Russell is great in that show. The only problem with this pro- is that Winona Ryder is back in Stranger Things, the Netflix little baby that everyone really enjoyed already has season two coming the show that got rejected from three or four places because they were all real scared that it was a show with you know children as the lead but many people liked i thought it was uh pretty good i the end was a little odd for me but either way winona Ryder is the i feel like the sexy pick there she's she's a comeback kid you know yeah, and she really killed it in Stranger Things, and, you know, her performance was very subtle, very realistic, very understated, whereas Evan Rachel Woods was like, you know, it's, it, I think it's Westworld's a little bit of a, a bigger, broader story, Yeah, so she kind of had to have a bigger, broader performance. It's, it's tough for me between those two. Evan Rachel Wood called Westworld the Olympics of acting, which I completely agree, which, by the way, Evan Rachel Wood, in interviews with, like, celebrity like when she's on jimmy fallon she's always a little weird just a little off and it's it i can't pinpoint it i don't know what it is it feels like she's still a robot <laughs> but either way I, I think she wins this category or at least she should but whether or not she does i think is up in the air they didn't nominate anthony hopkins they could do anything yeah best performance by an actor in a television series is a disgrace the drama category at least no Ed Harris, no Anthony Hopkins, Jesus. They gave it to Lev Schreiber, though, so everything's fine. I've never even heard of Ray Donovan. What is that? It's a show that Lev Schreiber 
plays Ray Donovan. He's a cop, and it's not going well. That's the whole thing. <laughs> it's I I don't know. So Mark uh, Mark likes it. Mark from the last episode. By the way, I want to thank Mark and Justin for coming on the last episode. Just take that for this moment. People really uh, the main stuff we got back from last episode was that everyone thought Justin and Mark were from New Jersey. And the way that Mark was saying the word robot, like it was a two hour episode and everyone talking to us was like, that's an odd way to say robot. Yeah. Yeah. Robot. Robot. He's also got, you know, family in, in Southern states. And so it might be a, an influence there. It was odd. We had listeners who were really, really listening because they were like, Mark has an accent. And I was like, he was born and raised in in Jacksonville, Florida, and was a Marine and was in North Carolina for a very long time. Wow, guys, you it's like you're you're picking us apart rather than the show because you don't have the show to do it to. So supporting role in a series, that's gotta go to Tandy Newton. I haven't seen This Is Us. You've got two characters from that show nominated. Uh Lena Headley was really good in Game of Thrones. I don't know that she was better than Tandy Newton, though. Yeah, I mean, best performance by an actress in a limited series or motion picture made for television. Who who do you see as the the nominated list for that? That's that's the one with Sarah Paulson, right? That's and Tandy. No, no, this is Tandy Newton for Westworld. Mandy okay. Moore for This Is Us. Chrissy oh, she's Metz a lock. This Is Us. Leanna Headley for Game of Thrones. Lena Headey, I should say. And yeah. Olivia Coleman for The Night Manager, another show I haven't heard of. Man, I haven't heard a lot of shows. The Night Manager is that show with Hugh Laurie and I want to say one of the Doctor Whos. I can't recall. <laughs> uh, but it, I heard it was fine. Uh, and Hugh Laurie was great in it. But either way, while I didn't enjoy the Maeve storyline for a lot of it, right up until the end where I was like, Okay, that's okay. That sounds fine. I still think, out of all those people, she had the best performances because it's hard to rate any other people's performances over the Westworld performances. Because if you're actually truly getting us to suspend our disbelief in Westworld, the place where I think it's the hardest to suspend disbelief out of all the shows that we're reading here because it's the biggest concept with the biggest reveals and the hardest time with the audience trying to pick it apart every week and you're still doing a good job as an actress slash actor in that condition i don't know it it feels like every other show is just not as or easier to make than westworld was Tandy newton should be in in the leading actress category right kind of bs like you said so I hope she smashes this supporting actress category because, uh, I mean, as much as I enjoy Cersei on Game of Thrones, uh, I just feel like Tandy Newton's coming down from a higher league. Basically, it's like if the if the New York Yankees went down into the you know played the the New Haven Rock Cats. If the yeah, if the Yankees picked up the six-year-old phenom throwing a 70-mile-per-hour fastball, and the first time he throws it, he gets hit in the face with it. It's the same thing. Basically the same thing. Best performance in, in a supporting actor is also a little annoying that nobody got picked for that. No no, Jeff, Jimmy Simpson. Jeffrey Wright. 
No Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright. Wright. Yes. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright should have obviously gotten that. I, I don't think... Jimmy Simpson, perhaps. I think he was borderline. There were some questionable acting moments from him, although he did convince me enough eventually to just, in that moment, turn into the man in black. But as we will read on Reddit later, a lot of the top comments in the retrospective season forum there are complaining about the William and Man in Black storyline because after a few weeks out you and some reflection on it, perhaps it felt a little too quick. A lot of people on the internet feel that. I'm going to read it about it later. So, I just ruined it. <laughs> Another thing that annoys me, not just because, you know, I do love Westworld, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily gunning for Westworld to sweep every category, but I don't know how many how many people out there have watched American Crime Story. I don't think it was that popular. Just anecdotally, I don't know a lot of people who have seen it aside from me. I thought it was really like soap opera y. Maybe that's too harsh, but I just don't two nominations for American Crime Story? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. But you also have to assume that every nomination here is not due to merit. You know what I mean? Like there are things happening in the background with... I'm, I sound like a conspiracy theorist right at the moment. Like, no, man, uh, right after that alien ship crashed in Roswell, they stepped out and decided that the 2017 Golden Globes would be rigged. So uh, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Whatever. So for that category, yeah, Jeffrey Wright should have been in there. He, he wins that category in my heart. But uh, of the people nominated, I just hope Christian Slater gets it because Mr. Robot was way better than American Crime Story. Plus, has ever ever anyone ever said the sentence, Christian Slater should get that award until right now? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And so you just got to give it to him. So yeah, what do you think out there, guys? Are the Golden Globes, uh, are they are they spot on or are they a bunch of shit? What do you think? <laughs> There's no in the middle. And by the way, if you think they're spot on without Anthony Hopkins there, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Let's do Reddit, and then we'll do some fan stuff. So, I'm going to I'm gonna read the top ten Reddit comments of the week based on the, the forum retrospective on season one. I'll read it from ten down to one. Tenth is... Well, the William and Dolores storyline broke my heart. Really wish Man in Black William could see that he she was remembering and was becoming conscious. At least they're free now, though. That's from Simon620 on the Reddits. And yeah, it was a heartbreaking storyline. I think... I think the Man in Black might have noticed, obviously, when he was being dragged through the church, there was that moment where his face was like, Eek, this is a little different. So I think he was noticing for sure that Dolores was kind of coming back to the old version of herself. But also, he's seen her do this so many times, James. I mean, how 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 would he know that this time was the one, you know? And it's sometimes a little tough in that moment to link Jimmy Simpson to Ed Harris. I think they kind of... the Because they forced it a little bit at the end, you know that one scene where you're like... Jimmy Simpson looks like he, everything's going to be fine. And then they cut back and he's just murdered all of them and tied Logan up and they all look kind of drunk after the evening. You're like, that seemed 
really easy. Why is Lars there all of a sudden helping? Like, it just, it, it felt like it was a real easy thing to do. So, at the end there, it kind of got a little cheapened. And I believe that will be a a review of uh, some people. I, I know in the upper part of these Reddit comments, they start talking about that. Uh, the ninth Reddit comment is... I feel fairly confident now that the park is on an island. Ooh, we're back on this conversation. I like this one. This is a fun one. Aside from all the parallels to Jurassic Park, since Crichton wrote that and Westworld. That's true, that's true. He also wrote ER. (laughs) It makes logical sense. Isolated, hard to access, with lots of resources, easier to hide, and harder for anyone to take data out of the park. My main clue is from Maeve's escape, when Bernard says her loop has been intentionally changed to escape. When she looks at the data pad, you can see towards the bottom that one of her dot 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 actions, I suppose you could say, is to reach the mainland, implying they're on an island. Further supported by the final scene with the lamp ship off of the water, on the water. Could that just be a coastal area or some sort of great lake? But I don't think it fits. Um, no matter what there, I think it's just interesting that Maeve's thing says you have to escape the island. Can they swim? Or are they just short out? Do they have, is, does the water get inside them? Well, they actually drink as opposed to 1973 Westworld where that lady couldn't handle a sip of water without exploding. Right. They drink milk and stuff, so maybe they can swim. Did they ever take a bath in Westworld? I'm trying to remember. Did that ever happen? I I can't see how they wouldn't take a bath. I'm sure guests have them take baths with them. But even, like, secondarily to that, if they are on an island, which I do recall from... Uh, and we and we talked about last in last week's episode that another Westworld podcast was talking about how a certain map had a longitude and latitude on it, and it put the island that Westworld might be on in Southeast Asia. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But th- someone said it out loud that one time, and now I've said it to you again. So uh, sounds more true than ever. So, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, putting on an island might be a callback to Crichton and the way that he's written Westworld to be a lot like Jurassic Park, you know, just without the dinosaurs. Yeah, that's reasonable. Mainland can only mean so many things. Either it's on an island or it's in Antarctica or something, which was, that's a throwback to a theory we proposed a long time ago. Right, and something to think about going forward, because... One large mystery in this show still is, what is the outside world like? What does the outside world have to be to make Westworld viable? Because apparently it's not hemorrhaging money anymore, although they're not doing as well as they would like to. And after, I don't know, a certain massacre? It depends on whether or not that massacre gets out to the public, but if it does, I don't see how the park can do better. I don't know. Right. That kind of it goes back to what a point that both Justin and I made in our season one recap. That's like how do, how do you where do you go from here? How does the park recover from? Oh uh, yeah, our robots went berserk and killed all of our board members. But try out the brand new Japan world. You won't die for sure. Yeah, and they just bought. I believe it was EnterSamuraiWorld.com. So perhaps they'll be calling it Samurai World, and they and then Dolores was hinting towards monsters as big as mountains. Now on the 
the eighth Reddit comment from Becoming LOL talking about Samurai World, Dolores hinting towards monsters as big as mountains, a.k.a. Dinosaur World. I don't think there's going to be Dinosaur World. I think by monsters, she was just saying that the people are monsters. <laughs> but I'm actually absolutely hyped for Samurai World just because there's not enough money being forced into the art world that is samurai movies and I want to see more of them and have them be one just inside Westworld yes please maybe for our western film club we could sneak in a uh, a samurai movie in there just to, just to get ourselves fully prepped I think that's a great idea James but yeah uh, uh, if if there's Jurassic Park world that might be where the show jumps the shark like how bizarre would that be if it jumps the mecha shark, then sure. If it's a shark that's that's a robot, uh, perhaps like a a robot megalodon. Tch, Westworld totally jumped that robot megalodon. So and then just when you think you know Westworld season seven can't get worse with Jurassic Park world, and then season eight Game of Thrones world. Whatever. If Newman shows up in Game of Thrones, the guy who played Newman on Seinfeld, and the guy who yelled at the beginning of of Jurassic Park about how nobody cares about that guy in the hat. Nobody cares. That's one of my favorite lines. If Newman's in Jurassic Park, I'll watch. Whatever. Wait, he already was. What was the other one? Westworld? You know what? Put him in everything. Er, he Put him in everything. He, he gets killed by the hound at the end of Game of Thrones. That's the last thing that happens. Seal it up. We're done here. So we are... What are we done? No, one, two, three, we're on comment number eight by... Dank 420 Stank. wonder what he likes. So, do we think Ford made an attempt to save all the humans slash workers he thought were good? Elsie, Stubbs, Felix, etc. Maybe the area Elsie and Stubbs are in is a safe zone of some kind. This is something that was brought up last week as well, because it seems odd that Elsie and Stubbs were kind of forced into the same place. Or at least Stubbs was forced into where Elsie's homing beacon was. So he's either being brought there by Ford because you have to, because, you know, Ford knew where Bernard was, right? He knows everything that Bernard's doing. Unless Bernard took that moment and saved Elsie or something. But if Elsie is alive, Stubbs is with her along with the Ghost Nation. So, and then Felix also kind of gets saved, but really just helps Maeve out to get to where she needs to go. James, I think we talked about this a little last week, but how much of it do you think was Ford choosing people to save and was it or was it just they happened to live? If that's the case though, he did a really bad job of saving the guy that Armstead killed. He seemed like an all right guy. He at least disapproved of Pervotech uh molesting Hector while he was deactivated and yeah. you know the idea that Ford, the idea that Ford has favorites and then just picks them, but I mean, he he just did that to the robots over most of the human race, right? So it doesn't, it maybe stands to reason that he's like, okay, these robots are fine, I want them to live, and then I choose these five people to also live. It feels a little dictatory, doesn't it? Feels a little tyranty. The more I think about it, the harder I have of a time of justifying anything that Robert Ford does. So he created the park to have a place where humans could callously abuse robots. 
But then he changed his mind about the morality of that, and now he wants to free the robots from the evil humans who he put in that situation anyway. It's just weird that he created the robots to suffer to free them from their suffering, and they need to suffer to be free. It's a, it's a very strange... I, I, I really don't know what Robert Ford's thinking in any case. Or at any moment. At one point he said, one man's life or death is but a small price to pay for the dominion I should acquire. What is the dominion he's acquiring at this point? Getting shot in the head by Dolores? That's that's the plan. That was his whole plan, to get shot in the head, unless that was a robot. And the robot he was making in his little secret underground lair was actually the thing that got shot, and Dr. Robert Ford is fine. But he actually said, quote, Dominion I should acquire. You already have the park. Perhaps he means immortality. Do you think he means immortality? <laughs> yeah, or life as a robot in the park or something. Why did he kill Bernard in the basement? If he just wants them to be free and he actually like loves Bernard like a son, kind of. Like it kind of came off in the last episode. Why did he shoot him when Bernard found out the truth? I don't understand that motivation at all. I mean, he might just be adding another layer of suffering the way he believes needs to happen for sentience to come closer to the surface. <laughs> and known that Maeve is going to be down there because he wrote it that way at some point. He knows that Maeve will be sympathetic to Bernard laying on the ground and that they'll just fix him and it will be fine. And then Bernard will be there, standing there, in the church for him to shake his hand. Although, when Ber when Ford sees Bernard, you do kind of see that Ford is a little surprised, perhaps joyously surprised, that Bernard figured out his way to get back here, where he was supposed to be in the first place, to watch his creator die the same way everyone else is. I don't know. It felt like it was what was supposed to happen. But that's the thing with all of Dr. Robert Ford's storyline. It kind of felt like all of that was supposed to happen, but I just don't know how much I believe he actually planned versus how much it kind of just fell into place. Yeah, you know, you, you, you throw a dart and then you draw a target around it, and you're like, they see, this is exactly what I planned the whole time. <laughs> Calculated. So the next opinion we have here is, this is an unpopular opinion, but I absolutely adored the Maven Felix storyline. That's from Porcelain Poppy on Reddit. That's that's just a that's just a sentence going like, guys, Maven Felix, I felt fine about it. What do you guys think? For someone to be like, Yeah, I thought it was pretty good and then for someone to be like, No. No. <laughs> We've talked about this at great lengths, and Felix is another character where like I don't really know what his motivations are because they're not really clear and he just does something and you just accept it. He did the robot that one time, though. That was really cute. I like the Maeve storyline because of how it ended and it was pretty epic, but like we talked about last episode, it was, you know, it's really slow build, which I can forgive if the character motivations made a lot of sense. Last episode, there was a lot of hate on Sylvester, which I didn't get because Sylvester was like the one character in the Maeve storyline whose motivations I did understand. Yeah, his motivation was, like, was to one, live, two, keep his job. It was all very relevant. Felix is just like, I'm going to do this because it's whimsical. 
because I'm eclectic. The next Reddit comment was just, I rather liked it. And then the, the next comment after that was, best season so far. Which, you can't argue with that, James. Yeah, but by that logic, it's also the worst season so far. I mean, I guess. That's from uh, Church Hates Tucker, by the way. I love these, love these usernames. A lot of people's cup of tea. We'll move right on to... Oh, this is nice and long. This is from quite a few Fireflies. Which I guess is just an amalgamation of fireflies who have become the outline of a person and are talking to you. Kind of imagine that while I'm reading this. That it's a bunch of fireflies, the face is moving, but it's just mostly firefly butts that are being lit up and, and making them face move. Does everybody get that image? James, do you have wait, wait, it? So, sorry, are they, are they lighting up in unison or randomly? Mm, very, very interesting. They're lighting up randomly, but enough for you to understand when the mouth opens. Do you know what I mean? Okay, okay, now I have it. Okay, great. So, this is the comment. One thing that I noticed as the season progressed is that the hosts are human as fuck. Now, for Fireflies to say that, it has to be true. Moving on. Like, comma, we could read the same self-help books. The maze is very similar to the concept of letting go of the ego slash image of the self in order to attain enlightenment. In that sense, the man in black desperately needs the maze to move on in his life. For me personally, by the way, this is not the comment anymore. This is now Ryan Brady. For me personally, it was a suicide mission, and we knew that from the moment that he smiled and, we're, and, and we saw Ed Harris's face the moment he gets shot by Clementine Pennyfeather, best name, from the woods at the, at the reception, which to me, was my favorite moment of the season. And I continue. (laughs) Even the traveling back to the cornerstone and letting it go in order to transcend it is very human. The hosts are just a little more simple, slash literal, slash tangible, psychologically compared to humans, but they are very similar to the point that the only real difference seems to be the supposed autonomy that the humans possess. But of course, it is highly debatable whether or not humans are actually autonomous in a true sense. A lot of our decisions are silently made for us as well. So, is this show an exploration of humanity or AI? Is there really a difference between human nature and the nature of any real AI humans manage to create? Again, that's from quite a few Fireflies and was being told to you by a sentient Firefly amalgamation. James, do you believe in free will? (laughs) Uh, I I do, personally. About the man in black story, you know, I think he's looking for the maze originally on behalf of Dolores because he loves her. And then slowly the Dolores part of looking for the maze became less important to him, and he just became obsessed with the last mission, the last game of Westworld. You know, clearly he didn't care too much about Dolores by the end, because he's willing to beat the shit out of her. But originally, I think it maybe, and based on what he told Ford in episode 10, like it was an altruistic thing. He's like, I'm going to find the maze for the hosts, and... Maybe they don't have what it takes to solve the maze and set themselves free. I'll do it for them. Right. But not I mean, realizing but, that people can't do it. Yeah. I mean, Bernard says at some point, I have these feelings, but I don't understand them. Which kind of sounds like sentience, doesn't it? Doesn't that kind of sound like something you've thought? Like, I have all these feelings, but I don't fully understand them. Uh, is that as close as you're going to get as Bernard? Perhaps when he says, you know, or when he is further questioning dr robert ford about his pain and whether or not it's real i mean yes it's real to us it's the audience we got to feel it we got to watch it so if it's real to us as an audience as we are watching the consequences of bernard's pain throughout the season 
I mean, it's obviously something real. It's something that's happening. But Bernard's asking himself if it's real to him. Because he truly doesn't know. We'll move on to the third from from the first. Third from the first Reddit comment from Porcelain Poppy. I was absolutely shocked that William didn't actually kill Logan, but rather sent him on a naked horseback ride across a picturesque countryside. I wonder if Logan is still alive. James, Logan, we didn't see him die. Game of Thrones rules. Is he dead? I don't think he's dead. I think, and I'm stealing this from one of our Twitter followers, I think, that... William's plan was just to drive Logan crazy, and so that by the time he got home from Westworld, he's like a babbling idiot, right. and so they take the company from him. I don't think he's supposed to die. William hadn't transformed yet. Like Apparently, he doesn't turn evil until he goes to the park as an old man and attacks Maeve and her kid, so it's not in his character to hurt Logan yet. Maybe driving him crazy you could argue is just as bad i don't know i think he's alive i think he's just alive and miserable somewhere mostly and just really mad that westworld didn't become his thing if only he took the bull by the horns there i i also agree i think logan's alive and i i hope and and wish and hope that we get ben barnes and jimmy simpson back next year in season two and they continue a little bit of the past storyline. I don't know how they're going to tell that storyline. They're not going to have the unreliable Dolores narrator, I think, next year, the one telling two versions of her own story, which is how we got that storyline, because we were seeing everything through the filter of Dolores re-walking the same path over and over again the first time and then, you know, this last time. So, I don't know. Perhaps we'll get them again. I... I I want to see Jimmy and, and, and Ben, the one-sided Logan. I, I want to see how that actually occurs. Any any, But, you know, I don't know. We might not. Let's have Logan come back as old man Logan. He can be the man in white. Sure. And versus Ed Harris for an entire season. Uh, I'll take that all day, every day. In fact, James, who is your 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 best version of an older Logan to be cast who what, what i was just gonna ask you that question oh my uh, gosh look at us look at us go while i while i scurry over to imdb and talk slowly like this so as to stall <laughs> yeah let's see if i can do it without imdb so an old logan i like jeff bridges for old logan because he can do the sort of crazy maniacal character that i think logan would have grown up to be that is a very astute observation, James. Let's see. Ben Barnes is playing Logan as just a little bit of the id American character, right? That's kind of what we're getting, like a just the old dude who is kind of gone a little bonkers over time because maybe William has forced him that way. But he was a normal person at the beginning. I, I mean, personally, you could just put a little gray in Robert Downey Jr.'s hair and that would be fine with me. Maybe just go all the way on the other end of the spectrum, grab Nick Nolte and hope for the best. <laughs> uh. Either him, Nolte or Busey. They're the same person to me. We'll move on to the second to last comment it's from Hyper Paradise. It's about William again. I have to say I really enjoyed William's character throughout the series. 
but I do wish we had seen a little more of his turning to the dark side. Somehow, I felt it both rushed and natural at the same time, but I'm very much looking forward to what happens with him in Season 2. Just gotta wait two years to find out. This person also hopes and hopes and wishes that Jimmy Simpson's William is back, not just Ed Harris's is back as well. Also, I want the answers to what happened to both Elsie and Stubbs so badly. We talked about that in the past, and we just covered William as well, but I believe the first... Yeah, the first comment is also about William. I wasn't the biggest fan of the story of William becoming the Black Hat, but I did love the inverse plot they were doing with the Man in Black. It was really great how you were introduced to this cool and collected character who got progressively less powerful and eventually turned out to be an old, bitter fool looking for meaning that just wasn't there. I don't agree with that fully, James. I I think there was some meaning there, and I think he found it at the end. I do like that read, though, of the Man in Black's character arc that, yeah, he does kind of start out as, like, the Punisher, and then he just kind of turns into a normal dude by the end of it. And he's like, oh, man, I missed out on this thing I wasted my life on. And my wife is dead, and my daughter hates me, and I, how have I not tried to fix that? Why am I here doing this and not fixing my really crappy life? But I don't think there's any comparison. I definitely think the Man in Black storyline is a bit more compelling than Williams. I I agree, but I do also agree with these human beings who are all saying, like, that dark side switch felt odd, right? Because it's hard to say it felt forced, because it didn't. We got so much background on both of these guys, and then when it comes together at the end, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. As long as Logan's not the Man in Black, I'll stay with the show. Furthermore, like, you know, I want the William and Man in Black thing to feel better. I want it to feel perfect because of how well it was set up a lot of the time. But for some reason, it doesn't feel perfect. Yeah, none of the storylines, I think, are truly perfect. I've got my problems, nitpicky little problems with all of them. But I do think that the Man in Black storyline, as much as there is like a lot of convenient things that happened to William, that's all that, you know, it's it's like I mentioned in, in episode nine, Logan and William are walking and he's like, oh, I'm going to find Lawrence. And then, oh, oh, we ran into Lawrence just as I finished that sentence. How lucky for us, you know, and, and then the comeback you made was like, you know, that that's TV. So we got a lot of tweets between the final episode and now that we neglected to read because we, we, didn't, we didn't have a chance. So uh, we'll go through them now. At Geometroid writes, do we think season two will be a continuation of season one? Because I have a hunch it'll be more like a sequel. Uh, what, what uh, Isn't a sequel a continuation? What, what is he getting at here? I don't know. I mean, Jonah Nolan said in a interview that if the basis for season one was structure was you know uh, control then the basis of season two will be chaos so I don't think it will feel like a sequel Uh, I mean I I, I know you just said a sequel what is a sequel it's just a continuation I think it will I'm sure it will feel like a continuation but I also think it's going to be a little slightly different which is why I think this show is so cool because we're going to get that samurai world a little bit i mean unless they just teased us and then don't show us any next season which uh how dare you yeah that'd be a dick move seriously but i mean yeah 
I, it depends. You know, thankfully, we're going to have a long production process. We don't know exactly when they're going to start filming yet. But while they're filming, I bet we're going to be able to get a lot of behind-the-scenes photos. And uh, we'll, it will actually pose an interesting question for this podcast, which is how much... We're going to tell you everything. I mean... Any news that comes out, any behind-the-scenes stuff that comes out, unless it's a straight-up Season 2 spoiler, which I'm going to be sad because there's no way, while I'm researching for this off-season for our shows, that I'm I'm not going to run into. So, and I'm, I swear, I don't want to tell you guys about any Season 2 spoilers, and, I'm, and we're going to have to talk about James and I before we do any shows, be like, okay, well, do we even tell them this one? But yeah, Geo Metroid, I, I think it will be uh, a continuation of season two, or season one. <laughs> Just to branch off his one, do you think there'll be a time jump, or do you think we'll pick up right from the end of season one? I hope it is just right there. I hope it fades into the man in black getting shot, and we see what happens on that beach. I want it real bad. At Snarky Desaad asks, At Westworld Ryan, do you have a quote-unquote normal Twitter account? Westworld over until 2018, still listening to final episode, what's next? Wow. Wow, way to set us up for that. That's per- that's a perfect thing for us. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a normal t- Twitter account. It's RyanBrady13 at Twitter. It doesn't re- really matter because I'm going to be on the Westworld Twitter. We're not we're not leaving we're not moving anywhere we are still doing this show (laughs) and um so we will be right here on this twitter account send us your stuff talk to me we have a year and a half let's fill the time and what's next i mean we're doing shows about westworld right now we're gonna be doing uh for next week we're doing well no next week we're taking off i have to say that (laughs) we'll say that right now we're taking off for christmas break we'll be back on the january 9th for our first day of the movie club which I guess we can announce now what movie we want to watch. James, what movie do we want to watch for January 9th? Because everybody, I w- we want you all to watch this movie with us, okay? So that you can watch the movie with us. On a certain day, we'll tell you when we're going to watch it. And then we can all. I'm going to live tweet it. And then we'll, you can send in uh, stuff about it, about how it's interesting and or not interesting, or has to do with Westworld or doesn't. Uh, we do have to pick one, though, James. What do we want to watch? Well, you've got one in mind. I've got one in mind. Do you have a coin in front of you? I have a coin. We could just flip it. We'll do yours first. What do you want to watch? All right. I want to watch, when we were coming up with ideas for this Westworld movie club, movies that maybe inspired the writing of Westworld or were perhaps inspired by the original 1973 Westworld or were only tangentially related to the themes of Westworld. The first thing that came to mind was another piece of science fiction western genre fusion. Maybe the only other piece, actually. The 20-aughts-something box office flop, Cowboys vs. Aliens. (laughs) I am actually excited about this, because I have not watched it. I mean, it was directed by Jon Favreau, who... I mean, that's, he's directed all the Iron Mans, he's directed, he's now gonna, he just signed up for the Lion King live action remake, he's doing Jungle Book 2, because he just did Jungle Book 1, it, it, it was uh, helmed by Harrison Ford, and Daniel Craig, and Olivia Wilde, and it was written by Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orki from, from Lost, right? They're from Lost, I think it is, yeah. I mean, it, this movie was just set up, and I believe a lot of the Cowboys and Aliens set is what the Westworld was shot on. It's all the same place. They're all, I mean, there are only like three Western sets in Los Angeles they use. 
so yeah, more details to come on that as time goes on. But yeah, I think that's a great starting point for us. I take it back. They weren't on Lost. They were on like Alias and Fringe along with... The reason I know their names is because they're uh, they're J.J. Abrams' friends too. <laughs> I'm excited. John Favreau also uh, directed Elf, if I'm not mistaken, which I'm, I'm showing that to my students this week. So. Um, You're not mistaken at all, and Elf is amazing. Bye, Mr. Narwhal. Bye, buddy. I love that movie. At Evil No J, Robert Ford's consciousness will be uploaded into the host that was being made. Yes, I think smart money is on that definitely being the case. I mean, I think that's the case if Anthony Hopkins wants to come back, and if not, then no. <laughs> At A. Rodriguez, I don't think the humans get killed. Ford was a host. Teddy didn't kill the man in black. It's the new game to win over the board. It just looks real. What? What? Is, so what? The, <laughs> the whole the whole attack at the end of episode ten is not a real slaughter of humans. It's just some eye catching. Oh wow, that was so brilliant! I thought Doctor Robert Ford got killed by a host. Instead, it was just a setup, and that was just a, a host that looked like him. This is brilliant. There's no way we can fire this guy. Keep him on. If nobody in that audience dies, I will be severely disappointed. That is a way for them to get out of this proverbial corner that I think they've written themselves into. Like, oh, surprise! I'm not really dead. I'm not going to let the host kill you. Welcome to my real new (laughs) storyline. The one where I stand here and get shot every Friday evening for your entertainment. (laughs) At Jay Hagen, these violent delights have violent ends, my dude. Thanks, Justin. People really enjoyed Justin and Mark on the show last week, so maybe we'll have them on again in the future, maybe separately or together. It was fun doing, sitting and and talking with two people right in front of me, and interesting that James was just off on the other side of the earth while we were doing it. At Andy Griff, how much of a mindfuck would it be if the Game of Thrones or Walking Dead finale revealed that it was just one of the Westworld parks? I... I would just have a nervous breakdown, I think. I would walk outside into the cold, cold snow and just keep walking until I died. That is a long con. Alright, so we're going to launch our 10-season zombie show, and then it'll it'll turn out that it was all just a tie-in to this HBO show, which isn't going to premiere for another eight years. It will be the greatest con of all time. Or, not that. At Geometroid asks again, if they should come up with some Westworld novels or something, would you read them? Oh yeah, absolutely. I want I want to see some graphic novels, and for sure, sh- and like, there's a lot of room for content here. Yeah, I would read some of the if if they were canon, like if they definitely took place in the Westworld 2016 universe, and they informed some of the characters or some of the plot lines on the show. I would definitely read them. I want like a graphic novel that links the movie with the first three years at the park that Anthony Hopkins's Dr. Robert Ford was talking about and with Yul Brenner in the background watching Anthony Hop young Anthony Hopkins uh, like the CGI version of him build Yul Brenner's gunslinger yes please I want that at Arissa Cox writes your Westworld podcast is dope since a song of ice of fire is still on hold uh, a season six rewatch is due. Where can I find your Game of Thrones podcast? 
You know, it might be here. By the way, thanks, Arissa. Thank you very much. I don't know if you guys know. Arissa is the host of uh, Big Brother Canada. She has an amazing, amazing hair. It looks awesome. You guys got to see this hair. The symmetry is just nuts. And yeah, I I think a season six rewatch of Game of Thrones is an option. I I just don't want to get brought into... I don't know if I want to get brought into doing a podcast for the last season of Game of Thrones. And I, I will if if the if the fans want it. If the fans want it, we'll give it to them. But I really enjoy the way I watch Game of Thrones right now. And I hate change. I'm just saying if the if the host of Big Brother Canada pitches an idea, to me that's an idea you take. Fine. <laughs> it, it 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 could definitely be in the works. At Lisa Hyatt writes just discovered you guys, love your recaps, and you both crack me up. Thanks, Lisa. That's a really nice thing to say. You're a real nice lady. Thanks very much. At Life Is Not For Sale, check out the UK show Humans. Could make a good show to discuss, similarly themed to Westworld with the hosts slash synthetics. Yeah, guys, if you want us to watch like a pilot of a show that you think has some some connection to Westworld, that is also a very viable thing for us to do. Again, we have a year and a half. We have some time. Perhaps Battlestar Galactica. I would love to do a whole series rewatch of make everybody watch Battlestar Galactica and see if they hate oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like it. A lot of it. Some of it. Yeah, I, I, I was a fan at the time. I don't know if I can put myself through that again. I'll do it for the fans, though. <laughs> Whatever you guys want. There's no way they're like, Battlestar Galactica are bust, idiots. Yeah, Vince, Vince Pennick, what the fuck is a robot? Yeah, that, that, was the, that was the general consensus from last week's episode. Thanks, Mark, for saying the word robot weird and then distilling two hours down to one sentence about how you say the word robot weird. Yeah, sounds like we need to have a 2017 robot special where we just talk about robot. Yeah, uh, I robot. When someone on Westworld Ryan says that James Marston is a huge movie star, writes Andy Sachs, and then she has a gif of someone making like an ugh face. I literally see him as the Westworld version of Cyclops, but (laughs) he's still a far better actor than I am. I mean, I think I responded to that like, he is Cyclops. He was in X-Men. That's that's one of the biggest movie franchises in the world. He's a movie star. And then Andy was like, fine, whatever. (laughs) At Chirbel2010, if you do a podcast on The Young Pope, make sure to tell us how to find you on Twitter. Well, you've already found us on Twitter. Yeah, we're not we're not going to move. We're going to be here at the Westworld Podcast. I know it's going to be very odd for you to see two shows' names, The Young Pope, next to Westworld, and then just kind of, and come back to reality where everything is fine. We all have to realize that this is going to be gone for a year and a half, and I'm not making a new Twitter. We got all the followers, all of our friends are already here. We're not going to leave you. Yeah, maybe if someday, if, if we really are, like... If we've if we've really garnered a lot of listeners, we'll launch like James and Ryan awesome pod show. Great job! But for now, we're gonna stick with the Westworld podcast, right? Oh, maybe the Young Pope becomes the biggest thing of all time. You know what I mean? Maybe the Westworld podcast gets left behind for the Young Pope podcast. Did you see? Very Chris- lovely LJ said, "Where do I begin?" and then didn't write more things. 
Yeah, Lauren, she, wait, she couldn't even begin. <laughs> yeah, she didn't begin at all. You just said, where do I begin? And then didn't write things, Lauren. Come on, write us some stuff. We want to talk about what you think. <laughs> at Christian Lonzing, seems to assume that consciousness requires free will, while I'm not even sure that we humans have it. Hmm. I, I like your slow, hmm. That always is at the end of something you're like, that's true. Let's move on. I sure hope humans have free will. Uh, otherwise, you know, all those all those shitty things I did, I didn't even have a choice to make that mistake, you know? I was always destined to do it. I don't care if I have free will. P- pudding is still dope, you know what I mean? Pudding being dope still happens whether I have free will or not, so I don't care. He also writes, I think the board is after immortality. Yeah, man, I do too. I think they're trying to upload some consciousness, dog. And then he ends this uh, these tweets with, Calling survival instinct narcissistic, isn't that a bit outlandish? Can you just read exactly what I wrote back? Because I'm not going to say it better than that. <laughs> is he referencing something that you or someone else said on the roundtable discussion? Is that what yeah. this is about? Yeah. So you wrote back, I would argue the act of survival is as selfish as you could ever be. I would also argue against any negative connotation. Right. I, I didn't believe I was going to be able to say it better than that. And that's exactly how I feel. I, I'm not exactly certain about the context of that, but it, it depends on what you're going to classify as survival. I would say that if this is about Maeve, she was already kind of surviving in the park. This isn't so much self-preservation escaping the park as it seems like self-aggrandizing that she thinks she's going to be like like a god amongst humans in the real world or something. Yeah, but then at the end, she literally makes the decision not to do that. She makes the decision not to be selfish and to go back into the park, we think, to perhaps save her daughter. Or I really liked, I really liked Mark's little quip about how maybe she's going in to kill her daughter and, and delete that one last part of her. I don't think that's true, but it is a very interesting concept. All right, let's move on to some fan mail we got at our email, thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. First one comes from Marlene M. It's a, a frequent writer to the show. Hey, guys, just three things. One, I believe Logan did not die in the park. I see him as being spoiled and reckless in the real world, behavior which his father is most likely not too happy with. So, even if he went back home telling his father how insane William was acting, his father would not believe him. He essentially would be the boy who cried wolf, which is very much in line with what I think will happen with Logan also. I just hope we get to see that 30 years ago again, you know? I, I don't see a version of this where we don't. I That would be weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems like you don't like giant plot points happening entirely off screen, huh? No, I don't like just glossing over things that are important, oddly enough. Number two, if other parks do exist and are in operation, how come everyone's focus seems to be on Westworld and Westworld alone? Maybe what we saw with the Samurai World logo and that samurai is simply a drawing board for a park to come? Either that, or this is where the hosts learn those badass martial arts skills. JK, just kidding. I think, I mean, we just haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. It's a part of the story that comes later. Yeah, but narratively, maybe we haven't heard a lot about Samurai World like she said, it hasn't launched yet, or maybe that's a whole other division. Maybe from the top levels, the administration and the techs kind of branch off into separate areas, and so we're not actually dealing with any of the Samurai World staff, like 
you know, Bernard, for instance, doesn't have any jurisdiction in Samurai World. There's a whole other head of behavioral in Samurai World, you know. There's a whole other... Lee Sizemore has a counterpart in Samurai World, someone else who's the head writer, you know? Right, it's a completely separate rotation. Three, can Jurassic World and Westworld collide at some point? Please. Yeah, we talked about this before. If it happens, I'll be happy for you, Marlene, but uh, good God, that would be strange. I hate worlds colliding. I don't want it. This is what it's like. (laughs) Do you hate that song? Sure. Yeah, sure. When worlds collide, you know? I mean, I didn't hate it before right now, but now I do. (laughs) Benjamin A. writes, Hi, guys. It seems like there is some consensus that Dolores has achieved some sort of consciousness by the fact that she discovered her inner voice. There isn't a consensus. Jonah Nolan said it happened, but okay. Yeah, that's that's, uh, canon, apparently. Unfortunately, it seems like she ended up reverting back to Wyatt mode, which was more of an element of her programming than her true choice. I think that several of the hosts are as close or closer to achieving the goal of consciousness than Dolores. I don't think Mm. that's true at all. I think Dolores is the one. She's been the one the whole time. She's obviously, to me, obviously the closest one to sentience. The only one even near her two of them only near her are Tandy and, uh, I mean, Maeve and Bernard. And I thought at the end that it was confusing and that she wasn't fully sentient when she decided to shoot Robert Ford and then shoot into the crowd. But in an interview, Jonah and Lisa Nolan said that they are, or she was sentient and that was a choice she made and that Maeve was sentient at the end. And the choice she made to get off the train was her own. And those really? Were two, yeah. That's, they said those things. And, the reason it was tough for me to, to take because it I wasn't fully convinced, especially on the Dolores one. I am more convinced in the Maeve one because of if you go watch the acting moment, you can see her make a decision if you actually thought she was making a decision. Dolores did that weird thing where she came up behind Teddy and hugged him and was like, everything's going to be fine. And you're like, that is odd. And then when she goes and starts shooting into the crowd, she just looks angry. But I mean, she looks angry while she's being written to look angry by Ford as well. I don't know. There is there was a little bit of a swing and a miss there with the stakes, just how heightened they were based on how much we believed it was what Dolores was just doing based on her newly gained free will, because that was not how it came off to me. And then when I just said that to James, he was surprised that Maeve was actually sentient at the end. And we watched this show diligently. So while there are amazing points to this first show, season of the show there are some major flaws and that is one of them i guess if nolan and joyce said that what choice do we have we just have to accept it i just feel like mave getting off the train and dolores firing into the crowd seemed to work into ford's plan so well right <laughs> but yeah benjamin i'm with you on that but <laughs> we have confirmation that dolores being sentient is canon but we all agree it's weird. What Maeve looked like, yeah. Yeah, we all agree <laughs> it's a little odd. He goes on to say, Bernard has the insight to understand the world and his place in it as good as anyone, given his history. Maeve appears to have made a choice that goes against her programming when she chose to get off the train. Even Teddy may be as close to achieving consciousness as he appears disgusted by what Dolores is doing, even though it appears his love, Dolores, is central to his code. My prediction is that many of the hosts are on the true verge of consciousness, and the second season will focus on their contrasting quests to become truly free slash conscious. Love the podcast, Ben. 
I agree. I think it's going to be a little bit of civil war, and I can't wait. Yeah, I wonder, will there be, like, loyalist hosts who... What what will be the factions, right? Yeah, like, that want to stay in the park, they don't want to reject the reality they've been given? That'd be weird. Like Dolores, she says she doesn't want to leave. Why do you think I want to leave? If you guys are clamoring to get in here, why do we want to go out there? I mean, I think it will eventually be Maeve v. Dolores based on their different versions of what the best outcome for this is. Stacy G writes, James and Ryan... You yeah. guys have delighted me with your Westworld podcast. <gasps> it has been a pleasure listening to you. You guys, it's nice. <laughs> I listened to two other podcasts that are deep in content and speculation, but lack the playful good humor that you two present. <laughs> when I hear Ryan say Clementine Pennyfeather best name Lol. as fast as he can, or either of you whister sabotage, I literally laugh out loud. Sabotage. Both both are a nice touch as running gags. Please do something similar in your future podcasts and make it your shtick. No, we're done with gags. No gags ever. Yeah, but uh, thank you for writing that, Stacy G. It means a lot to hear that from one of the fans. Just means a lot that you guys are listening at all. <laughs> she goes on to write, Hector and Armistice love them. Armistice is a badass, and she's probably my sleeper favorite. Oh, for sure. Armistice with a machine gun, Armistice blowing on Felix's ear, Armistice kissing the glass at Sylvester while she's leaving. She's an obvious killer. She's the best. I, I want so much more of her and Hector, who, let's all remember, was Xerxes in 300, and also one of the that hot love interest in Love Actually, and now Hector in our lives, the orchestral painted black phenom. I want more of them all day, every day. Uh, the androids, as they're as they're now being called on our Twitter. Felix, I have no idea what motivates him or why he did slash allowed slash assisted all of Maeve's actions. I think this is to be continued, and I predict Maeve and whoever she surrounds herself with will need him. He is the new Doctor Crusher. Okay. I mean, I agree that I have no idea what Felix. Maybe he just is in love with Maeve, and he's like, "I'll do whatever you want, boss." Maybe I have a shot here. He's just a nice guy. Felix equals Beverly Crusher. I forgot Dr. Crusher's name was Beverly. Wonderful. I think Felix just goes home and puts on a fedora, and he's like, I'm a nice guy. I'm the nicest guy, and also my pet robot bird is still not working, and that's a real bummer. Dolores, ultimately, I think she's going to be the bad guy with a major axe to grind. She'll turn into a twisted sociopath of a human due to 30-plus years of trauma. How could she not? I think the point of this show is that there is no bad guy or good guy, and I think that both Dolores and Maeve, by the end of this, will feel like one or the other at some point. William, a.k.a. the Man in Black, hard telling what he will do now. Careful what you ask for, Billy, you may just get it. Seriously, how can anyone predict the direction of a guy who has preferred the make-believe setting of Westworld over real life? Yeah, that gets to what we were saying. We don't have to predict it. We know exactly what happens to him. We saw it. He's he's Ed Harris. We know what happened. He just told us what happened. No, she's saying what's going to happen from the getting shot in the arm point. Oh, okay. He he wants to die. If he doesn't die, he'll be sad. And if he does die, although at at this point, Ed Harris has been like, yeah, I'll be in season two. And Jonah Lowen's been like, hey. Can you shut up? And Ed Harrison, like, why? Just all I told everybody. <laughs> so he's going to be in season two. We don't know for how long or what it's going to be, but yeah, who knows what will happen from here? I'm just excited to see because that was my favorite part when he got shot. So, and if he doesn't die, which is what he wants, he's going to still be on that weird suicide mission. More power to him. Stacy's next theory is amazing, and I don't think either of us ever considered this. Law K. Ma- Maeve. 
Was she really the host that Charlotte was trying to get out of the park with the intellectual property? I, I totally believe her first act of self-interest was getting off the train. Everything prior was narrative. That is brilliant. So maybe she was Charlotte's backup host to sneak out of the park, but in the end, her sentience lead led her to screw up Charlotte's plan. Yeah, that would be interesting, because we not we haven't seen what happened to Peter Abernathy, number one, played by Louis Hertham, who is supposed to be getting put on a train by Lee Sizemore. We don't exactly know what happened there. He, the, he was supposed to be going out of the park with a bunch of that knowledge in his brain. And for Maeve to be a backup would be very interesting, and, cause, and that's allowed to be open for fodder at the moment, because we do not know how much say Dr. Robert Ford had in the writing of Maeve leaving, but I mean, it was a kind of inferred that he had a lot of say, right? Right. I, I wonder, was that maybe because she's kind of entrusting Lee Sizemore, who is kind of a, a doofus. So maybe her plan with him and with Peter Abernathy, that was just a decoy to distract from her real plan, which was to use Maeve. Possible. Possible. Really? Oh, it might be possible. Lee Sizemore, I think he's going to slither off and carve out a cesspool of debauchery in Sector 69 with the non-sentient hosts and pray like hell the chaos doesn't find him. That'd be funny. I'd watch that. That would be funny, although I think the chaos will. Ford, he could be truly dead, or that was a host copy of him giving the speech. Either is plausible. Stubbs and Elsie, I'm holding out hope they're together and okay. Hell, maybe a very living Ford deemed them the only decent humans worth saving. And he's got them in a high-tech bunker full of monitors, and they're sipping on margaritas, watching the craziness unfold. We also kind of hinted at that earlier this this podcast, huh? Yeah, although I think we said it was sans margaritas. And then our final email of the night comes from Mary F. Hi, I was wondering if you're going to watch through and review the sequel Future World before the next season. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Marie from Sheffield, UK. Thanks, Marie, and definitely, I mean, we have some time. Whatever you want us to do, Marie, we are here for you, and right, only you. I was you. just going to say, we've got got two years now, so I think eventually, you know, we're going to do our, our, our Western Film Club, but I think we're definitely going to find time for Future World, and then there was also a very short-lived TV spinoff beyond Westworld. I think there's only five episodes or something. It wasn't it wasn't popular we could check that out too if we can yeah. find it yeah i'm sure we'll be able to watch that and then make a podcast episode that 300 people listen to about that one that will be a lot of fun before we get out and before we listen to this this trailer that's coming up ash rodriguez said last episode you guys read my tweet but you didn't say my name Otherwise, oh you said you said my name but not my tweet and he was hashtag devastated here it is, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we got we got him this time. We got one of his earlier tweets. We got we sorry, got you, bro. Sorry, Ash. And we, then Ryan messed up your tweet this episode. So I mean, I guess don't even like me, right? <laughs> I'd say I haven't seen the Young Pope trailer, so let me pull that up. Your holiness, your sins. I don't have any sins to confess. My only sin is that my conscience does not accuse me of anything. Starting today, you have to lead the church. One billion people, one-fifth of the world's population. Do you understand what I'm saying? I really have to tell you, Sister Mary, this book is strange. 
I don't care about your opinions if I'm up for the task. I don't care if you think I'm weak or a scoundrel. Everyone is afraid of you. It's not exactly true. But it will be. People are saying that Sister Mary is the real Pope, not you. In America, we call it gossip. I know how to get him to resign. You won't be able to manage him. The young are always more extreme than the old. Who is betraying me? Tell me right now. Or you have seen the ruin of the church. You'll be a terrible pope. The most dangerous in modern times. I'm ready to wage a war without end against you. I know everything a powerful man needs to know about the people he works with. And I am the most powerful man of all. Okay. <laughs> God damn, not what I expected from the young pope at all. I I hadn't seen the trailer until this point, and from the premise that you pitched to me, I thought it was going to be a screwball comedy. Uh, nope. <laughs> it kind of feels like Jude Law is back in the days where popes were paid for. He's American, obviously. That old guy who I kind of recognize, who is he? Uh, he's from uh, Six Feet Under. He's yeah. George from Six Feet Under. James Cromwell, who I haven't. Yeah, I I, him. He was from the Green Mile too, and he was also an. He was Doctor. Uh, he was Doctor Alfred Lanning in I Robot. Yeah, another 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 role I love him in. And then the the cool thing about that I think was Jude Law. I think Jude Law looks really neat. Diane Keaton is like I I don't. It's odd for me with Diane Keaton because I see her. I'm like that's Diane Keaton. Yeah. Wow, I I'm really excited for that. I I just I love Catholic Church stuff. Like I I'm a Jew, but I've always been more interested in like movies about Catholics and stuff. I, like I love the movie Doubt. If you've seen that, that's a terrific movie. That's so good. all about Catholicism. It felt like that one line where he was like, "Everyone's scared of you," and then the and he was like, "Yeah, well, they're not they're not really not everyone, but they will be." Like what? What are you going to do, dude? How much power does the Pope have? I bet it's a question that show should answer. Yeah, that looks amazing. I love the idea of badass cigarette smoking, like, limo riding Pope doesn't he, give a fuck. He wears sunglasses because he's cool. I honestly, I expected something completely different from what we got in that trailer, but I liked it. That's better <laughs> than the image I had in my head, which was basically like, Will Ferrell is the Pope. What wacky <laughs> shit will he get up to? Like, <laughs> uh, I'd watch that one too. And when does this, when does this premiere? January 15th. So soon, real soon. January 15th, which is a Sunday, right? It's the Sunday at 9 p.m. slot. Oh, that that's our slot. <laughs> it is. That's why I feel really confident about this. At least confident about watching it. <laughs> yeah, so we will be doing a Young Pope recap and review. And, you know, you'll find it here. Keep it simple. You don't. There's no other link you have to follow. Right. We're, we're going to watch at least the pilot. If it's bad, I don't think we won't keep watching it. But, I mean, it's an HBO show in the 9 p.m. slot on a Sunday, which has historically been pretty good. But, uh, hey, James, without the show, we did an hour and 15 minute long podcast. Let's pat ourselves on the back. 
Yeah, we could probably just, you know, record an hour of anything at this point. I know, just, we next week, we're only going to talk about how Chuck E. Cheese is coming back. It's yeah, not, join us next not. week for our <laughs> recap and review of uh, the new Burger King value menu. Yeah, I'm going to buy every one of them, eat them all, throw up over the next five to seven days, not go to work at all, and then uh, probably die. Yeah, have it your way. <laughs> uh, no. All right, so thanks for listening, everybody. If you're just listening, that means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter at Westworld Ryan, or you can follow us on SoundCloud, or you could leave us a nice review on iTunes, which helps other people find us. Absolutely. And for next week, everybody watch Cowboys and Aliens. I think I'm going to watch it on... For, for January 9th, yeah? Yeah, for January 9th, right. I'm going to watch it after the new year, so I will tweet when I'm going to watch it. We'll live tweet and watch it together. It'll be a fun time. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. <laughs>